Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the Targums managed the flick on. Gather Round Villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. It was one hell of a game at Villa Park on Saturday, but unfortunately it's another defeat for Villa as Arsenal stole the points um, right at the death. So we'll discuss everything Emery, Martinez and Mings before looking ahead to a huge game at Goodison Park this weekend. I'm Andy, your host, and today... It's a warm welcome back to Craig. Hi, Andy. Hello, listener. Um, very nice to be back. Unfortunately, um, Villa have been tasting defeat more than someone with a foot fetish lately, and um, we're going to get into that and um, discuss it in granular detail. Yeah, that's very good. I see what you did there. Um, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Good way to start the podcast. Um, but yeah, there was obviously some team changes. I think we talked about it last week that there might be a few um, big calls for for Emery to make, and he brought um, he brought four of the substitutes that that finished the game against Man City back into the starting lineup with Matty Cash, uh, Mings, uh, sorry Moreno, Coutinho, and McGinn um, all coming in, and they were joined, of course, by by the returning Tyrone Mings in the in the centre of defence. Um, Ming's obviously uh, returning huge boost and we'll obviously um, we must pick up on the news last week we were talking about Ming's last week um, on here but also um, on on our group discussion about whether he'd actually signed ever signed a new contract um, for Villa and how long he had left and I think we worked out he had he had about um, 16 months left on his on his on his deal um, no sooner as we'd finished that discussion, um, the news news dropped that he he'd uh, he'd extended that contract and signed a new three and a half year extension. Um, he was clearly clearly delighted um, to have his his immediate immediate future tied up. It seemed like something he was very happy about. Um, but I mean, were you at all surprised by this, particularly considering um, it seemed to have it seems to have been led by. By the manager, who now Emery himself. Yeah, um, that's the scuttlebutt. Is that Emery instigated these talks and said, "Yep, we need to keep him around." I think that it's not a surprise because he's our best defender, and we've seen by results that we discussed in detail last week. When Mings is not there, we have major problems. Sometimes we have problems when he is there as well. But without him, we can't win games of football. Um, so it's really nice that he's been rewarded, and, and this is probably um, the, will be the biggest contract of his career to reflect his new status. Um, as England international and obviously established Premier League um, footballer now, whereas when we signed him from Bournemouth, even on a permanent deal, he certainly wasn't an England international and he certainly hadn't established himself in the Premier League, although he was, of course, Andy, one of our promotion heroes. Um, so I imagine this this new deal reflects his, his status as um, not only an England international, but also as one of the first names on the Aston Villa team sheet now. 
moving forward. We all dream of having a team which gets better and better and better, and hopefully there will be some competition for place for, for, for Ming's place sooner rather than later so that we are not so dependent on him. But as of right now, we need him. He needs us. And it's been a match made in heaven, really, from start to finish. I, I love the guy, Andy. Yeah, me too. And I was really pleased that it kind of got sorted, really. It seems like um, an awfully long time ago, doesn't it, that we were talking about Ming's potentially leaving the club and and Steven Gerrard seeming to almost be trying to force him out, taking the captaincy away from him, dropping him from the f- for the first game of the season. Um, all that talk about um, Ming's looking him, looking Gerrard in his eyes and telling him when he's ready to play and all all that nonsense and it it felt like um it felt like he 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 may even have gone kind of kind of before the window in the summer um really so it it feels like he's he's really turned it round i think he's been ultra uh professional about the whole thing in those early early few games um he certainly had the backing of of the the fan base i felt the fan base Certainly, in that first game um, when he he did start against Everton, um, it, it, the fa- the fans were right behind him, and it, it always felt like that if it came to uh, a, a choice between Gerard and Mings, that there was only going to be one win- winner in that. Um, since then, he's he's obviously Emery's come in. He seems to be one of the players that has risen to the challenge um, of 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 trying to implement what what the manager's asking them to do, and we'll talk about issues around that later in the podcast. So just a, just, just a really pleasing signing. Um, you know, it would have it would have felt like a, a real shame if we'd lost him in the summer, I think. Um, so it's it's good to have him sort of tied up, and we know he's a Villa player, and he, he, he clearly loves the club. He loves playing for the club, and, and it's, um, you know, it's really great to see. Um you know, to, to, to see him staying. It is. And it also protects his value should we want to sell one day or should he wish to move on one day. Um, we know that he has um, had some, some injury problems. He's 29 years of age at this moment in time. So he's absolutely entering the prime of his career. And also this is someone who hasn't had hundreds and hundreds of games of football. I think I saw a stat earlier this week that Esri Konza has started more uh, league matches um, as a professional than Tyrone Mings has. So he's a really young, 29 years of age as well. So he could get, you know, really a lot better from where he is. And also, should the day come where perhaps he's not first choice anymore or perhaps we want a change of scenery or he wants to change the scenery, the new contract also protects his value as he is certainly a big asset. I do believe there was rumoured interest from West Ham last summer. Um, and um, you could see someone like West Ham, you know, snapping him up if he was available. And if he was going into the summer with with one year remaining, we would be getting really a paltry sum for him, I imagine, that, that wouldn't really represent his true value to us as Aston Villa. Yeah, I'm not sure he'd want to step down to the championship with West Ham at this stage <laughs> of his career. We need, we need <laughs> West Ham to stay up. We need that three million from Danny Ings. That's very true. That's very true. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. My mate Adam's listening. Uh, <laughs> apologies for that one. But um, Adam, yeah, and, uh, you need West Ham to buck their ideas up, mate. We need the stream <laughs> from 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 Danny. The same thing goes for Watford. 
than Keenan Davis. We need the 15 million from... Imagine we're getting 15 million pounds from uh, uh, Watford and West Ham, respectively, for two strikers that we're not interested in anymore. That'd be great. Yeah. 30 million total yeah. for the pair. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's sort of Chelsea-style business, that is, isn't it? That's it fair. is. <laughs> but without the nine-year contract. That that had all that fifteen million for both of them would uh, pretty much pay for Tammy Abraham, wouldn't it? So, hey, uh, there you go. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see Speaking of which, I think Chelsea still have a buyback on him, don't they? Yeah, maybe we I could do a do. deal. I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, what about the other changes? I mean, it's it seems unusual, really. I think uh, Emery has, has struck me as the sort of manager who who likes to um, who likes to to keep to keep a settled team really he hasn't made an awful lot of wholesale changes um certainly between the league games unless he's had two really so for for five changes to to happen um it's interesting isn't it, it feels like we'll talk a bit, bit about Emery's reaction after this game later on but you know is, is <laughs> he, he may have lost his composure bit... <laughs> but do you think there there is a bit of that do you think he, there is a bit of well you know I, I need to I need to really kind of sort the wheat from the chaff here. Well, Dini was horrible. Um, Ashley Young, as much as he's been one of our best players and probably is a, a, a candidate for our player of the season, he's also run out of gas in, in recent weeks. Not a criticism. It's a miracle that he's even doing what he's doing. So we, we just take what we can. But I think it's fair to say Ashley Young did start to run out of gas in, in recent weeks. So that... That sorts that one out. Mings is always going to come back in because, as we discussed last week, Callum Chambers isn't very good. And um, Coutinho and, and, and McGinn, respectively. Bailey is also not, not, not having the best of times, so that's Coutinho. And then Ramsey also not having the best of times. So I don't think any of the players who were dropped could really have too many complaints. And also, it does say that there's a, there's a standard set now. JJ, if your form slips, you're on the bench. Ashley Young, if your home slips, you're on the bench. Dinya, if you can continue to be an absolute albatross, you will be on the bench, and so on and so forth. So I think it's good to have some competition for places. And again, it does show that we do have some strength in depth, despite some of the uh, pearl clutching of the January window, Andy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, I mean, it was a really, really uh, interesting start to the game. Um, and, of course, it wasn't wasn't long. We 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 sort of seem to be used getting used to making pretty fast starts now at Villa Park and it wasn't long before um before Ollie Watkins opened the scoring. Um it was a it was a really good sort of quick break really. Matty Cash won the ball in the right back area and and um sort of pushed forward and and, and delivered a, a really nice pass um over the top uh to, to Ollie Watkins who looked like he might have might have just just lost it, lost the momentum a, a little bit, but got the ball under control and and really skinned Saliba and hammered it past um, past Ramsdale into the corner. It was an, a really outstanding strike from from Watkins. It's it's four in four now for for him. Uh, so his his form's continuing despite the the bit of um, bit of bad form from the team. Um, but he could he could be the first Villa player I think to score five in five as well for, in five consecutive games in the Premier League um, for Aston Villa and also have to, has to be said a really good moment for Cash because uh, we were all on here not long ago um, telling him that 
he couldn't pick a pass like Ashley Young. Um, so well, he, st- uh, he, he still can't pick a pass like Ashley Young. <laughs> but <laughs> that was a very nice assist. I think to win the ball back, it was also higher up the pitch than Ashley Young, and 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 there was there was less traffic. But anyway, credit where it's due. It was a lovely ball f- floated over the top of the. Uh, Floated over the top of the uh, of, of the defender, as you say, <laughs> a little bit of a miscontrol from Watkins, but it didn't matter. He had the, the the confidence, the speed, the athleticism to take it forward and bury it in the bottom corner. And really, it was a really nice move. And and we just seem really irresistible in the in generally speaking in the open fifteen minutes of Villa Park. We we cannot be stopped. If only we could replicate that throughout the rest of the game, we'd be uh, probably top four. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 a really. Um really rich vein of form that, that Watkins is in and it's really the first time I think in his Villa career where he's he's he is regularly on the score sheet. He's had kind of very much sort of peaks and troughs, hasn't he? Where he'll he'll you know, he'll score a few and then he won't score for six or seven games and it's it's very even the even the, the really good first season he had under Dean Smith, it was a bit like that. He he got he got his three against Liverpool and sort of went on a bit of a, a run of not scoring then and you know it's kind of it was kind of like that bit in bit in and out but something's happened with him hasn't it something has changed in the way that he's he, he's operating and he just looks supremely confident and to 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 just take on a player like Saliba who's been part of you know one of the best defenses in in the league this season is uh just showed some some real guts from him I thought yeah, it did, and it just shows the difference that confidence makes. There were games early this season under Gerrard where uh, poor Ollie Watkins was literally had the first touch of a trampoline. Um, it was it was frightening at, at points. You were you were worried about him and his kind of future um, as a Premier League footballer at moments because his confidence was on the floor, and obviously we can relate that to perhaps a previous regime. Um, also, I think that it's interesting that. Um, that that perhaps now that there's no longer any real question over Ollie Watkins starting. I mean, sometimes people would say, oh, maybe Ings should start this week or whatever. People are pushing for Duran to start, obviously, some of the fans, but everyone that I've read or, or heard has said this should be with Watkins rather than <laughs> instead of Bailey, rather than instead of Watkins. So also, I guess he's starting to feel the love. Obviously, we know that Dean Smith bought him a goldfish and Dean Smith was like a father figure to to Ollie Watkins and that um and that some people respond better to the carrot than this than they do the stick and it seems like whatever Emery's doing, he's he's he turned he's turned into a Watkins whisperer. He's pulled him to one side and whispering sweet nothings in his ear and um and Watkins now has as has, has entered the form of his Aston Villa career, as you say, Andy. Um he had obviously a great run at certain parts of his first season. Last season was patchy. This season's been poor. And now he looks nailed on again to, to get um, into double figures for the third season in a row, which again, for an Aston Villa striker playing in mid-table is is, is no mean feat. It's not like we have um, a whole host of those in, in, in our Premier League history, Andy. No, not at all. And I wonder whether, you know, sometimes the uh, teams are almost... Almost um, not standing off him, but maybe, maybe um, underestimating him a, li- a little bit in front of goal. You know, he, he he's perhaps developed a bit of a reputation for for hitting the goalkeeper, and 
I know in his first season he hit the post about seven or eight times, didn't he? So, you know, it's, it's maybe they maybe they don't feel um, as threatened when he's got the ball in front of goal as 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 they would with someone like Callum Wilson or or, or Ivan Tony. But I think Watkins is showing now that he's got that he's got that deadly streak, and maybe maybe the predictions we made, or certainly that you made a couple of years ago. Um, about him being a twenty-goal-a-season striker, maybe that's maybe that's on the cards at some point in the next. You throw of enough excrement at the wall, Andy. Some of it will stick. Um, no, <laughs> I did. True. I did. No, I did believe that. In all fairness, because he scored fourteen goals, and as you say, he missed a bunch of chances and and hit the post seven, eight, nine times, as you say, and it was ridiculous. And um, and now he's he's playing in a completely different system for, for Emery, and and what Emery's doing seems to suit him really well. Uh, whereas what Gerald was doing didn't suit him well, what Smith did did suit him. So I guess it's about systems as well. Um, rumored interest from Leeds in his services in the summer, but now again he'll be um, if he continues like this, you would imagine some of the, the clubs above us in the table will start sniffing around because he's young, he's English, he's about as robust a player Touchwood that you'll see in the Premier League, just never injured, um, an absolute force of nature as an athlete. Um, if you were going to build a footballer from the ground up, it would look like Holly Watkins, lean muscle, fast, strong, um, determined, really hardworking. You know, he works like a mule for us. Um, so really pleasing for Oli and, and, and with Everton up next, he, there's no reason he can't make it five in five because despite a recent resurgence, Everton are no great shakes. I just want to give a shout out to Gabby Bonlahor, the... Um, the Villa quotation mark legend quotation mark. He did actually score over ten league goals three seasons in a row. I'm just looking at his stats here: in 2007, 2008, 2008, 2009, and 2009 and 2010. So back in the O'Neill glory days, Gabby got 11, 12, and 13 in consecutive seasons. Um, he would never get near those numbers again. <laughs> and <laughs> but uh, hey, he did it. Gabby did it as well, so fair play to Gabby. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he certainly uh, he had a good start to his career, didn't he? And uh, let's hope that Watkins um, doesn't go along the same path as uh, as Agbon Lahore in his in the, the second half of his career. Does um, Watkins no, have the same penchant about... for uh, legs eleven as Gabby did? I don't know. I've no idea. I've no idea. But I wouldn't have thought if he's he's got two young kids. I doubt. I doubt he's uh, or at least one and one on the way. He probably hasn't got the uh, the energy for all that. I wouldn't have thought. But um. it's also a different time and a different era than um, back in Gabby's day. Not not everyone had a uh, a camera phone sitting in there. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, as as we as we've come accustomed to with um, with Aston Villa, that the lead didn't last long. Um, I'll, we'll go through the Arsenal goals in a in a little bit. We'll we'll rattle through them, um, I think. But obviously Saka equalised, and then, um, you know, it was kind of not backs to the wall, but certainly Arsenal enjoyed um, a lot of the possession. Uh, Villa found it hard to kind of get a foot foothold in the game, really. Um, but then out of nowhere, um, a really really superb team goal involving uh, Kamara. Excellent ball, just kind of the way he kind of went one way and cut the ball back um, round Ben White um, for Alex Moreno to get onto pinpoint pass, which uh, which Buendia 
an excellent dummy. Great bit of telepathy between him and Coutinho. Coutinho just slotted the ball easily into the corner. Lovely finish. Um, one of the most fluid moments, really, and impressive team goals that we've seen since the promotion back to the Premier League. Um, it seemed like a, a bit of a snapshot into what Emery is trying to work towards, I think, at the, at the club. Um, but what impressed you about this goal and, and how great is it to see that understanding between Buendia and Coutinho at, at long, long last? It was like a hot knife through butter is what it was, Andy. It was like a, it was like a, a watermelon sugar uh, to, to quote Harry Styles, it was just beautiful. It was it was it was almost a sexual experience, quite frankly. It was absolutely beautiful. They they cut through the best team in the league, the team that's top of the tree, like they were, you know, like they were Stevenage. <laughs> that's a little joke there because we didn't cut through Stevenage. Well, we did actually score one goal, but anyway, um, it was beautiful. And and that Moreno ball that you speak of there is is something that he's done in basically every game. He, he, there was one against Man City. There was a couple of times he did it against Southampton. I think Jacob Ramsey had a chance with it. So that cutback is a, is a Moreno special. Now, for that to become a real offensive weapon for Aston Villa is really, really good because the other thing that it does, if if, if people start focusing attention on Moreno, it opens up some, some space in the middle. And again, that ball was which picks picture perfect, Buendia and Coutinho, as you say, Andy, right on the same wavelength. Really smart dummy from Buendia, which takes uh, Granite Xhaka completely out of the game, and then a wonderfully disguised finish from Coutinho, and it never looked like he was gonna gonna miss. Cool as cucumber stuff, and 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 yeah, and you at that moment you're beginning to dream, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those moments. You you get these moments that at Villa Park every now and again where you just you think I'm going to remember this you know um I remember that the, the Alan Hutton goal you know the things <laughs> overhead kick you know the the Trezeguet volley um one or two moments as well obviously from 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 Grealish and so on just just those just those special moments really and this felt like a special moment from a for a, from a different point of view a, it wasn't a really in, a, a mo- it was an individual brilliance it was it was um it was something developing within the team i think um it there was a lot of hard work had kind of gone into that i think and it felt like you know arsenal you know they didn't seem to they weren't sort of snapping around us and trying to get the ball off but we it was just that calmness to go through sort of work through the pitch and and you know and create the opportunity i have to say some people have said their favorite bit was the um obviously the finish some people said the the Buendia dummy which was which was just fantastic um but for me the the best bit of the goal was was camera just that little that little move to the left um to allow moreno to make the run and just to just to play the ball back almost from where he where he'd come from was just uh, I just thought re- really really intelligent and because there was no other way of get of getting Moreno Moreno in that crossing position and he he did it absolutely brilliantly and I thought you know that's a player who who understands how the game works and understands you know how to um, you know how to how to create those kind of chances and you know really really nice to see. 
Yeah, and 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 as you say, you said earlier, it is kind of an insight, hopefully a a window into the future of of Emery Ball and what it looks like when it's in full flow. And um, we're going to talk about Emery in some more detail later on, so I won't get into it too much here. But you can see the blueprint, you can see the footprint, you can see what is trying to be done. Now, some fans agree with the style, some fans vehemently disagree with the style, particularly the playing out from the back. Um, but that goal in particular um, was was a great example of of playing out from the back. And again, the stuff from Kamara, the reverse pass, as you say, the overlap, the runs, the joined up thinking, the 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 connectivity, the 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 best football teams. It's almost like telepathic. The Arsenal invincible team, the great Man United team, which had uh, Runo, Runo, <laughs> Rooney, Tevez, and uh, Ronaldo. Uh, up front, uh, the 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 best Chelsea teams of Mourinho with with Robin and Duff and Drogba and Lampard arriving late in the box, and obviously we're not at that level. Don't get me wrong, but those moments where it almost seems telepathic, that is what you're aiming for, and that's what you're striving towards. And the fact that we have seen glimpses of that already in 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 and and Unai's not been in the door that long does all go well from the future, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows as well that, you know, something is going in. I think, you know, they'll, there are doubts about exactly what's, you know, what, what what's going on, you know, after uh, Emery's post-match uh, interview, um, which we'll talk about in a sec. But, you know, the, the, it does feel like some, some of the information's going in at least and, and starting to stick. <laughs> but it was just a... It was just a, a lovely, you know, flowing move, you know, and something I think everyone in the ground enjoyed. Such a shame it wasn't, it wasn't um, the winning goal really, um, or part of a part of a winning performance because I think it's it, or it in any way a, relevant <laughs> to the yeah, result well, in the end. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, it was a shame, but I think in the in the grand scheme of things, I think it's it's an important. Uh, moment, I think so. So hopefully, um, hopefully they they build on it. But there were four Arsenal goals um, at the other end, and uh, we'll just sort of rattle through them. Really, first one was a was a really good finish by Saka, but it was presented to him on a plate by a a very poor uh, header from clearing header from Tyro Mings. I think he had pos- possibly one or two better options. Um, uh, at that moment, and I think every other, a, I think every option except that was a better <laughs> option, except what he did. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but it came from a, a throw which which Martinez had given away. Um, Emmy Martinez had a had a pretty awful day, and, and we'll we'll um, again we'll get onto him in more detail in a sec. But he, he uh, he's had several of these um, sort of little sort of sand iron chips. Out to the uh, the wide areas, out to the fullback, which just completely cleared the fullback and went into touch. And this was this was one of those as well. And and it ended up with the ball coming back into the box. Mings just nodded it down for for Saka. He fired it past uh, past Martinez. Um, bad one to give away, wasn't it? After going into the lead. Yeah, it's just it's just what you don't need. Again, um, really really upsetting i think i one of the the last things i said on last week's pod was i was like come on lads let's let's if we're going to lose let's lose um you know with some dignity and 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 not 
give away goals to teams who who are good enough to punish you anyway. And this was this was it. Now, admittedly, in terms of Mings, there was a great deal for Saka to do there. <laughs> that wasn't like a you know it wasn't a gimme, but unfortunately for for us, it falls to their best attacking player, and he and he spanks it home. I would have rather it fell to to Xhaka or. Eddie and Ketia, because I don't think it necessarily goes in like that, but it fell to Saka, and that's what he did. He did it for England in the recent uh, World Cup, didn't he? A similar kind of volley in the top corner, and, mm-hmm. and Saka's yeah. just a quality player. So it's, you know, them's the breaks. If you give those kind of opportunities to those kind of players, they, they, they're going to they're gonna punish you. And, um, and, and yeah, so there's no, you know how much we, we love Mings. We've already talked about it, but that goal is on him, and there's no, no if, if, ands, or buts. You say that though, nope, <laughs> and nope. I'm going to immediately compare it to an incident in the second half where Esri Konsa got absolutely caught and robbed blind in possession, tr- trying to play it out from the back, trying to do what he's been been asked to do, obviously. And Odegaard has missed an absolute sitter. Um, it seems though, and the reason I brought that up is because Konsa really got away with one there. You know that would have been. You know the winning goal, you know in the end out out of sight probably, and um, but he he didn't get punished for his mistake. Whereas it feels like every time Mings and they're fewer and far between that these mistakes that Mings makes, um, but every time he makes one, it ends up in the back of the net. Them's <laughs> the breaks. Um, yeah, I think that the reason that he makes more mistakes than 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 than. Than Konza and I've spoken about this before. I, I I did feel there was a period, particularly last season, where Konza was hiding behind Mings a little bit. Um, I don't think that's the case this season, but I will say that Mings takes more risks. You see, if you look at any of the kind of passing percentages, Mings plays more progressive passes than Konza does, which is why it might be interesting to see uh, Diego Carlos in there, who who can take some of the onus from Mings in that regard. But that's a different question for a different day. So when you're taking more risks. The, the 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 key is that you're probably going to get egg on your face a little bit more. Um, the problem is there, I assume, with Mings's clearance, that he was trying to nod it down for an Aston Villa player. I assume that's what he was thinking, or maybe he thought he could get enough purchase on it to get it, you know, get it clear. Either way, um, yeah, I mean, that's just life. Sometimes Konsey got got away with it, Mings didn't, but. You know, either 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 player could have been punished, and 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 Konza, unfortunately, was was fortunate this time. But even so, I mean, Mings has to do better. You know, saying that Konza made a mistake as well doesn't change the fact that Mings has to do better. They 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 both have questions to answer about those two moments. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I was more bemoaning Mings Mings luck a little bit that he's uh, but you know, like you say. Um, and no player, you know, he's not he's not there going. I'm going to nod this into Saka's path, and he's going to he's going to smack it in the in the in the top bins, is he? You know, he's he's clearly trying to do something. Um, he's seen something, and it, it just hasn't materialised how he how he thought it would. But um, yeah, uh, I, I, normally in that situation, I think Ming, Ming's just heads it out of play. I think he or he, he just he just you know gets his big nut on it, and it goes out for a throw in and. There's there's no problem, but he's obviously just tried to do. He's seen something, and it hasn't it hasn't paid off on that on that occasion. Um, but the second goal, the equaliser um, in the second half, um, I think Arteta 
had 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 been watching the way the way Stevenage um, took Villa apart and clearly followed the Stevenage blueprint for this uh, this second goal short corner Aston Villa players um taking naps all over the uh, <laughs> all over the 18 yard box and uh, and it was just um you know put it, put it on the edge of the box for Zinchenko and he just smashed it in the in the near post I mean how many times is this goal going to go in before they they start to do something about it well there was a bunch more as well that didn't go in I think Saka yeah. shanked at least two there was other people that shanked other ones. There were a number of occasions where people were just free and free and easy. They were they were they were eating a kebab and, and, and drinking a can of tenant super on the edge of our penalty area, completely oblivious to anyone else, having a lovely old time. And it's just not good enough. I don't know if that is a player I'm I've gone to sleep because I'm fatigued, because Arsenal have been banging at the door and now we're tired. Uh, we're, 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 we're mentally fatigued and, you know, I've gone to sleep. I don't know if this is an Austin McPhee problem, but whoever is responsible, probably it's a little a little column A, a little column B, whoever is responsible, they need to buck their ideas up because we're playing Everton on Saturday. And if there's one thing that a Sean Dyche team can do, I mean, they're not going to entertain you, but they can score from a set piece. So we have days, hours before that Everton game, and we need to, to to quote Dizzy Grasco, we need to fix up and look sharp. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 you're right. It was it was something that was happening all day. They were playing that little short corner, and Villa only really woke up to it after after the goal had been scored. It was it was um, it was one of them, and it was something that the you know I, I'm down the other end in the halt end, and as soon as that as soon as the the guy went short for the short corner. Everyone knew what was coming. We could all see it. We've seen it just weeks ago. We've seen Stevenage do it to us, and it it was just so obvious. And it, it you know, it, that's the problem. That's what causes the disconnect between the, the 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 team and the fans is when they can see these these massive gaping errors, gaping holes, I should say, that that are causing that are leading to goals all the time, and it's not being fixed. Um, you know what? What? what <laughs> people say, well, what are you doing? What? What are you? What are you working on here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It, I don't have an explanation for it. It is, it is difficult to understand how we are, how we are able to concede the same goal a few weeks apart, and both of them <laughs> are devastating. We would have had a cut run, and that. An FA Cup run or an FA Cup win or a Carling Cup win, Carabao Cup, sorry, win, League Cup win, whatever, is is probably our, one of our best best paths to Europe. And if we get into Europe, we know what happens when Umri gets in a champion in, in a Europa League. But we threw away our opportunity in FA Cup and a trophy with that same nonsense, and we've thrown away a chance to win and beat Arsenal with that nonsense again on Saturday. And there's, it just pisses you off ultimately because you you can forgive it kind of once, although not really against bloody Stevenage, but you can kind of forgive it, you know, down to 10 men. Olsen has, has got gloves made of Swiss cheese. You can kind of understand it, but then to do it again a few weeks later and you just know that Arsenal have studied that. They watched the tape of the FA Cup game. 
and they said, look, these guys are vulnerable here and, and, and they've gone and exploited it. So really disappointing, really upsetting. And again, next up, next couple of weeks, we've got, uh, we've got Crystal Palace, we've got West Ham and we've got Everton. All teams that can hurt you from set pieces, particularly West, particularly West Ham and Everton. So we, the, the, it has to be fixed. Otherwise, we're going to concede goals and make it very difficult for ourselves in, and, and, and lose more ground than we already have. Yeah, that's it. And uh, obviously, it wasn't the end end of the scoring. We thought we'd 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 maybe eke a point in the end, but uh, quite well. Very fortunate um, winner, um, as it turned out. As Jorginho, uh, excellent strike by him. Um, you know, no qualms about that. Came off the bar um, on another day. It bounces away. Um, but on this day, it happened to uh, bounce in to the back of the net off uh, Martinez's head. Um, he finally got his his Arsenal goal that he'd waited ten years for, and uh, he's um, he's 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 scored an own goal there. And um, but the obviously the issue, the main issue that came out from it um, was the two the two players standing in front of Emi Martinez who were offside um, and not picked up by by VAR, which is. Which is there to pick up clear and obvious errors, Craig? Yeah, I was too devastated at the time to really notice this, and it wasn't mentioned on on TV coverage of uh, on 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 the US feed. I don't know if it was mentioned on on TV over there. Um, I doubt that. Um, it, well, I mean, you were in the ground, Andy, so you, you don't know. Um, I don't know. It seems as though our players didn't didn't notice either because no one seemed to complain. Um, normally, you would imagine Martinez or whoever would be running sprinting to the referee and, and, and that wasn't what happened people you know fell to their asses and you know hands on heads and all that stuff and um, which is fair enough they've, they've fought really hard they worked their asses off they tried really hard to, 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 to win and, and they've lost it in, in, in stoppage time um, you do feel that Arteta's comments before the game where he told the referees, PG, MOL, where he told the Premier League that they owe us two points. Factors into whether whether or not you want to claim a conspiracy, whether or not you want to claim bias, let's leave all that aside. At the very least, okay, it puts pressure on the officials. At the very least, it potentially influences the officials to be really sensitive over making a mistake involving Arsenal. So there's a reason why managers do it. Ferguson was probably the, the, the godfather at doing it, putting pressure on referees before the game. Mourinho did it. And it's what the teams at the top do. They will use any advantage, any little place where they can make a gain, a marginal gain, they'll do it. And leaning on the officials like Arteta did worked for Arsenal because this goal, in my estimation, should have been ruled out for offside and it should be a 2-2 draw. But... Arteta got his wish, and I think that um, you know they got their two points back from Brentford. So, congratulations to Arsenal. Unfortunately for Villa, we we, we get a kick in the balls. Yeah, it was it was one of, one of them definitely. I I I, I did. Um, I mean, I left the ground. I mean, the fourth goal, neither here nor there, really. But the, the, I left the ground feeling like we'd been beaten by a a really a really great strike. I hadn't really. Um, seen exactly what had happened in terms of it coming off Martinez 
Um, it just looked like an excellent goal, just a wonder strike from Jorginho. And, you know, it, it, it was one of those. And you kind of th- hold your hands up and say, well, they probably deserved it on the balance of play and the chances created and all the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, when you when you see, obviously, how it's happened, like I said before, on another day it bounces out and maybe one of those players sticks it in the net and then they've got to look at it, haven't they? Um for offside and it, it probably would be ruled out then but it's gone in off, off Martinez and it, it doesn't seem like they've even checked um, well if they've checked, checked they have goal. to disallow it well yeah yeah absolutely and and it you know it felt like it felt like that but but then you, you know you get this kind of wishy-washy explanation afterwards and referees going on Sky Sports etc is it is it Dermot Gallagher they have on there who um, you know just says well you know so, some of those you get and some you don't, you know, and it's like, well, that's what, that's what, VAR is meant to is meant to be, um, kind of eliminating from the game is that some you get, some you don't. It's actually, is it offside or is it not? Well, it's it's, it's BS. Didn't we have <laughs> one? We had we had one with begin against Arsenal, which I saw attached where where um, he Ross Barkley was in an offside position. And we had that goal chalked off. We won the game anyway, but even so. And then we had another occasion, I think, speaking of being knocked out of the FA Cup, I want to say it was last season at Old Trafford. Danny Ings scored a perfectly good goal and and they they ruled that Jacob Ramsey was interfering or he was offside. It literally it was no one had no one had seen it, no one had appealed it. It was innocuous, no one had noticed, no Man United were, players were appealing, everyone was going back to the corner the, the, the centre circle. And VAR found a reason to disallow the goal. So it does feel like you're being treated differently than the other teams when you're in mid-table or when you're in lower mid-table. And that really does get people angry because I think we all strive to be treated fairly or, or, or equally, I guess, unless you're being treated better, in which case you probably want to keep it that way. I bet Arsenal yeah. are delighted with the, with, the, with the call, with the decision. Well, any Arsenal fan would 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 say that um, you know they they feel vindicated now after the the Brentford situation, but you know it's it's not it's not a case of that now. Villa of Villa have have lost a, at least a point because because of you know something that has has blatantly been missed, which is meant to be cut and dried by by VAR. The offside, you know, all the penalty calls and handballs and things like that is is still very subjective, but but. But you know, um, offsides are meant to be. You're offside or you're not. Yeah, you know, and they were and both offside. A, and they're both they're both offside, and I think they need they need to clear that up because they can't tell they can't tell what the goalkeeper can see by looking at the cameras. You can't tell what the goalkeeper can see and what they can't. You, and more importantly any, than that, I mean, let's say that the let's say the ball doesn't hit Martinez and it, post and out. And one of those forward players, I think, was in Ketty or one of them, whoever it was. They they tapped that ball into the net. The Lino immediately puts up his flag there. Okay, they're offside, no goal, and no one bats an eyelid. It's like okay, free kick, and we and we reset and start again. So it's again, it it, it is difficult to take. And um, uh, you know, Unai Emery wasn't using any 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 of those excuses. We, we'll, we'll get onto him in a minute, obviously. But um, you can't help but feel hard done by Andy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in an effort to uh, to try and claw the point back, um, Villa did win a corner um, for that goal. And uh, 
This just goes from bad to worse. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, obviously, the corner the corner was cleared and Martinelli ran the ball um, into the net uh, with Martinez caught um, in no man's land after going up for the corner. Um, Emery was absolutely spitting feathers about this um, after the game and singled out Martinez um, for this, going against um, his instructions. He said, I never send my goalkeepers forward. Um, for corners, whatever the situation, and um, he had no no right to be there essentially, and 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 he was very annoyed about it. Um, what, what's your reading of this, and do you think it it was fair kind of criticism for Martinez? I mean, he, he hadn't had a great game, and you know, is it is it you know we'd obviously we in the past we've kind of. Um, Criticised Steven Gerrard for for digging players out publicly, haven't we? And Emery's done it to to Martinez. And is it justified in this in this case? I think that um, I think that it's a very dangerous game from Emery. Now, obviously, Martinez is our only world class player. He may be the only world class player we've had at Aston Villa uh, for for many many years. Certainly. There's not too many occasions where we've had a player who was in the conversation or <laughs> was voted in the top three. He, we don't know if he's going to win or not, but he's already been voted in the top three goalkeepers in the world by this um, the, the, the FIFA. Uh, I was going to say Dino, Dino Zoff Award, but it's not the Dino Zoff Award. Who is Yashin. It? Yashin, Yashin, whoever it is, yeah. whoever whoever it is, good goalkeeper <laughs> from from yesteryear award. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a dangerous game and a slippery slope um, to be calling out players in public and I'm not going to be a hypocrite here I did not like it when Gerard didn't I didn't like it when Emery did it either um I think it's I think it's it's not great it's not ideal I think that he was asked a direct question about it he was like did you someone deliberately asked him did you instruct him to go forward he said no I don't send my goalkeepers forward and the reason that he gave was um obviously the numbers you know Emery could be described as bookish and I think he's looked at the stats, he knows the numbers, and the numbers are that you concede a goal like we conceded much more than the goalkeeper scores. Obviously, the uh, was it uh, Allison for um, Liverpool a couple of years ago scored that goal, which was important in their title win. That is the exception, not the rule. And there is there has been a suggestion in certain quarters that Martinez was doing this for selfish reasons, that he saw his name in lights, for the wrong reasons, having conceded an unlucky goal that he threw no fault of his own, the ball bounced off the back of his head, and that the 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 taunts from the Arsenal fans had got to him, and that he had a moment of um, bravado and felt that he could go up the other end and score the equaliser and make make everything whole. I don't know what Martinez is. Maybe it wasn't that deep. Maybe he just thought, hey, last minute, let's try and score. But either way, it's a little bit unseemly for Martinez it's a little bit unseemly for Emery and it's a little bit unseemly for Aston Villa and whichever way you shake it I don't think anyone comes out of this little public um uh these public comments are stronger yeah it was it was a strange one and we've not really seen this side of Emery have we up until this point um and there's obviously been a lot of a lot of um talk subsequently that there's some kind of um, issue between the two of them, um, or if there wasn't, there certainly is now, and it's all part of the the whole sort of narrative that that leads to Emi Martinez departing the club in the summer. Um, 
for whatever whatever reason I think you know it felt like it felt like Martinez had had a bad game I think I think um you know that there are definite frustrations with certain players in the squad that that Emery just can't can't seem to get them um you know to to buy into to what he's asking and I think for me it was just him highlighting it was it's obviously not not it's not good to to single out players individual players but it was for me it was him highlighting the fact that he expects his players to do as they're asked to do um because you can't you know ultimately it's the manager that gets blamed isn't it now in the context of the game it didn't really matter whether you lose 3-2 or 4-2 it doesn't it doesn't matter at that point of the game there's no time to come back from it anyway um but it's more it's more a signal that ah here's a player who is quite will quite happily go against my my instructions and what i want from from the players and that's a worrying sign isn't it and he needs you know and and that's him stamping it out saying i don't care what you think you don't go against my instructions yeah and i think we've seen that and and this isn't unique to aston villa we've seen it recently i think there was a a problem for man city in the villa game with with Mahrez taking the penalty when harlan was supposed to take it and and penalty we've seen we've seen players scrapping over the ball uh, for for taking penalties in 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 recent times and and free kicks and stuff like that there's 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 all kinds of sh- of shenanigans that go on where where players get out there and think they know best than the, the, the manager so i suppose there has to be, there has to be. It's a bit of a tightrope, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you need players in certain moments to do and make improvisation, make choices that aren't necessarily part of the game plan in order to score a goal or stop a goal. On the flip side of that, <laughs> you also need to trust as a manager that your team are going to obey your instructions where possible. And um, Emery's fury at the end of the game shows which side of the coin he comes down on. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, was, it was quite strange because I think out of the three defeats we've had, this was the one, the one game where actually, you know, the fans appreciated the effort that the players had put in, the fact that they had come close to winning the game. I mean, we haven't were mentioned... They, were they, was everyone clapped off, were they, Andy? Yeah, I mean, there was a good... A good Good response at the end of the game. The, the players were, um, you know, the, the the crowd got up and 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 the ones that were still in the ground got up and, uh, you know, and clapped the players. Um, it was generally sort of, sort of felt like we'd been unlucky. Um, we'd we'd kind of come up against the better side and lost, sort of very, you know, in a, in a in an unfortunate manner. We'd had a couple of chances we hadn't mentioned uh, as yet. Leon Bailey hit the bar and and Duran came. You know, could have done done a bit better, maybe, but he'd done well to to get into the position and 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 had a good chance as well. And you know, we could we could have we could have been three two up going into into injury time. So you know, it was it was seen as you know that the, there was the effort was there from the players, but it, it felt strange because um, of all of the three games he could have lost his temper. <laughs> It was the one where the fans actually felt like, actually, we've got something here. You know, this this is quite positive. Um, it certainly feels. I mean, it feels like the the honeymoon period is is over now for for Emery. Um, there are some concerns, I guess, about whether this group can produce what the manager 
wants to see on the field. Um, so do you, th- do you think we're seeing the, the players reverting to type here or is or is Emery almost up in the ante and doubling down on, on what he expects of them? I think that both things are happening, actually. I would say the Leicester game was just bonkers. Like, we give away the worst goals ever. Even worse than the goals that we gave away in this Arsenal game, the Leicester game goals were on a whole new level. So that kind of felt like an, an, an anomaly and we were, off, we were off five wins out of seven. So, you know, everyone kind of looked the other way. Man City away, you expect to to, to, to probably lose. Arsenal at home, you're, you're kind of hoping for a point, but you're not sure. Um, my impression afterwards was similar to what, what it seems like the, the, the general impression has been on social media and also the fans on the ground. I was really gutted and disappointed. It's always a real kick in the teeth to lose a game like that in stoppage time where you've, you've done so well. And I was, yeah, I was of the thoughts, yeah, well done, lads. You know, we've been unlucky there. They've had to have a, 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 a literally a goal bounce off the bar and hit the goalkeeper in the back of the head to beat us. And we've hit the bar, you know, moments or seconds beforehand. So really, we've done well. This is the team that's top of the league and, and, and we're really going toe-to-toe with them. Just as we went toe-to-toe with Man City in the second half, although admittedly Man City were already <laughs> thrilling up, so it's slightly different. But this was... This did not feel like a um, a game of one team challenging for the title and another team kind of in the bottom half of the table. It it felt more evenly matched than that, so I was happy. And you expect, if it was Dean Smith, with no disrespect to Dean Smith coming out after the match, you'd expect that kind of narrative. Yeah, the lads did really well, unlucky, you know, it's bounced off Martinez's head. We go again. You know, if it was old Brucey, well, they won't. Their old war sleeves up or whatever he, nonsense he used to say, and we were unlucky. We go again next week. Lambert, you know, his specialty was saying, "Yeah, the lads have done well, wrote really hard. We go again next week." That's what you're expecting. And then when Emery's fury, when he's incandescent with rage, literally shaking, <laughs> in some of the interviews I saw, I thought, well, he's he's, he's gone overboard here. Maybe this is just because. It's personal to him because it was Arsenal. It, it hurts more. And then I was like, well, let's look at, with respect, let's look at our previous managers. Let's look at Steve Bruce's career. Let's look at Dean Smith's career. Let's look at Tim Sherwood's career or whoever the hell else you want to name that has been Aston Villa manager in the last 10 years. None of these people have operated at the top end of football in the way that Emery has. None of them have the standards that Emery has. None of them have the trophy cabinet that Emery has. And the reason that he has these things is because, number one, he's better as a manager than they are. And number two, his expectation and his demands are supreme. They are top. And he is not going to accept this BS from these players or any other players. So when I digest it and look at it that way, it's really exciting and pleasing to have a manager that's going to hold us to a new standard from now on. And that can only augur well for us moving forward, but it may not augur so well for players who are unable to maintain their consistency or who are unable or unwilling, in perhaps the case of Martinez, to carry out the manager's instructions. Yeah, I did. I, I sort of wondered whether, you know, because there's a bit of a pattern, isn't there? You know, they talk about the new manager bounce. So the manager comes in, 
you know, he has a little look. He doesn't really change an awful lot. He starts to deliver his ideas and the players like it. You know, they get on board. This is a bit new and a bit fun. Um, you know, and people start buying into it and talking about how, how great it is to work um, under a manager with such detail and, and all the rest of it. They win a few games. And then you feel like, you know, things start to get serious then. They, it's not it's not the case that actually, yeah, we, we, we get that now. You know, let's just let's just kind of do normal training. No, this is what we do every day. We we do we do like um, training drills where we work on our shape, you know, and we we watch um, we have long lectures about and watch watch games back and 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 talk talk tactics in in long meetings and things like this, and you're expected to do it, and the players suddenly realise that they've actually got a full time job all of a sudden. And um, you know, you know, things start to fall a little bit by the way, wayside, maybe. And I'm just wondering whether we've already reached that period with this group. Um, and I'm sure Emery is used to it. I'm sure he's used to going into clubs, and you know, he gets appointed to do a to do to go in and do his thing and to do a job. And you know, there will be, you know, you know, a clutch of players who are well up for it and they want to do it and they want to improve. They want to be winners, so there'll be people like Tyron Mings, Ollie Watkins, Kamara, Douglas Suiz, etc. That that wants to, they they've committed to Aston Villa and they want to achieve the next level of their career at Aston Villa, and they're prepared to buy into it to do it. But there'll be others who are th- who are thinking, I'm not doing this. Um, I'll be off in the summer or. You know, this is this is too much. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't commit to it. And you know, it feels like we've already got to that stage. And maybe, you know, getting January out of the way, no one really came in, and there are players there that perhaps know know now that, you know, they're 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 kind of almost they're in the team now until 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 May. So, um, it's clearly it's clearly worn off, hasn't it? The, the the initial kind of impact and now it'll be it'll be about whether Emery can kind of you know win win hearts and minds for real and uh and you know and get the team rolling again before the end of the season. Yeah, I think that it's gonna be really key to see what happens in these next games. I think we have to take the last two results, not the Leicester one, but certainly Man City and the Arsenal results in in the context which is fair in that these are two teams literally fighting tooth and nail for the title who are really quite substantially better than we are. So I think we can... Again, this is the loser's mentality that Emery doesn't have, but this is my condition as a as an Aston Villa fan. Now the next games, Everton, Palace, West Ham, those, Bournemouth... Those are the type of fixtures where you need to really be looking at seven to ten points as a, as a kind of a minimum for us to just uh, feel good about everything. So I think we're going to see really now what kind of reaction do we have against Everton? How much how much of this has just been a blip because we're playing against better teams? And how much of this is the players reverting to type or I wouldn't say downing tools I think they would I wouldn't say that they definitely were trying um and 
there is going to be potentially some players who just who have received the information, who are receiving the coaching, but actually just don't necessarily have the ability to carry out the instructions. So it's good that Emery can, uh, Emery can identify those players as well. But I think we're still in a good place. I think the Premier League table is still is still much of a muchness for us. We're still in the same place we were. We've been <laughs> seems like we've been in for six weeks. Still sitting in eleventh. Still ahead of Palace. Still just behind Chelsea. Nothing has really changed for us. Um, but we do need to see an up to an uptick in form now in these next four games. I think otherwise, you know, people will start to get antsy. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think it's it's an important important run of games, and like you say, it's an opportunity to pick up some points. We're playing against at least three teams that are that are in a in a dogfight now, and um, you know they're 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 clearly going to be 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 going at us. They they will target us, you know, because we're in mid table. Um, they'll be targeting us, you know, for points. You know, there's there's no doubt about it, and you know. Guys like Dyche and and, uh, and and Moyes will be will be doing their doing their due diligence for when uh, for when Villa arrive at, at their places over the next few weeks. So um, we're going to have to we're going to have to go up a couple of levels again, I think. And you know, it might be that Emery has to has to kind of uh, you know double down a bit on on the on the basics and 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 kind of uh, tighten things up again because clearly. Um, We've been leaving the uh, leaving the, the the back door open um, too much lately. Eleven goals in three games, and like you say, albeit against um, two of the teams at least, you know, going for the title. So, you know, it could have been a lot worse, even. So, um, you know, w- w- we'll see. But um, are you ready for some dice ball at the weekend, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> As long you as we it. give them up, as long as you know, I, I hate it. You know, shout out to Vinny, a mate of mine who's a, a Burnley fan. We've 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 shared a an adult beverage or two and talked about um, Burnley and, um, and and Vincent Company doing really well there. And also we discussed Sean Dyche. And um, when I was moaning about Gerard, I think one time um, I want to say it was towards the probably September October. Just before he was sacked, I was having a good old whinge about about Gerard in a, in a, in a pub. And um, he said, well, what about Daesh? I think I, I spat my beer out. I was like, what? <laughs> what about Daesh for Aston Villa? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, let, let me tell you, the Villa fans will not accept Sean Daesh. He's like, why don't you think he's any good? I said, no, no, I think he's very good. I think he is excellent at what he does. I'm just telling you that the Aston Villa fan base, I feel... And I'm not obviously the spokesperson. You all have your own opinions out there, Aston Villa fans. But I felt as though, and still feel as though, him and his brand of football would not be welcome at Villa Park. And from what I've seen of him and his Everton team, it hasn't changed my it hasn't changed my view. Now maybe Dyche, when he has access to a different calibre of player, perhaps his football will change. But so far, it's been the same thing. It is, it's a low block. It's asses on the line. It's blocking shots. It's spoiling. It's set pieces, and it's it's attritional agricultural football. I don't enjoy it, but again, you have to give the give the devil his due. It, it is highly, highly, um, it is highly effective. Yeah, it is, and uh, 
he's made a really good start, hasn't he? I think I was I was one of the the ones certainly um, when when Gerard was floundering at the start of the season. I thought, well, the only option is is possibly <laughs> Deich, and uh, I I underestimated um, Nasef Sawiris' uh, power of persuasion. I think, and uh, he's, he's obviously gone levels above really to to bring in Emery, which I'm delighted about. But I'd have quite happily um, welcomed Sean Deich, so it perhaps shows not what I know. Um, and what my expectations of the club are as well, but um, yeah, we, he's he's made a great start. Really, two two good wins at home, one nil against Arsenal and Leeds last weekend, um, making an impact, particularly on the defence, as you say. And um, without Calvert Lewin, you know, probably not as much of a goal threat as he would as he he would like. But um, you know, they they they're getting it done, aren't they, at the moment? Um, Villa won the reverse fixture in in those forty degree temperatures back in August. Two um, one win with with goals from Danny Ings and Buendia, and of course Buendia got the got the winner at Goodison Park in a one nil win last season as well. Um, Emery will be hoping for a, a clean bill of health. Although um, whilst it's great to see Diego Carlos back um, training, it's probably unlikely. I would have said that he'd feature too much. Um, in the next couple of weeks, um, it's three defeats in a row, as we say, and it's so it's important we get we get some th- kind of result here. Um, you know, if nothing else, to avoid sort of Emery's first first real crisis as the manager, um, could be a really tough battle. So, how how do you see Emery lining up for this one? How do you see him approaching it? I think he's going to ch- channel mid nineties Aussie dealers and line up with five forwards with Bertrand Traore, <laughs> Bailey, Coutinho, Brendia, and Watkins, and absolutely blitz them. No, I don't know. Um, I I would imagine. Uh, here's the difficult thing because when you've got the 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 Everton centre halves, both of them are really sucking hind teeth in terms of mobility and pace. Callum Chambers would 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 fit nicely alongside of them. He's available, by the way, Everton. For um, you land for six million pounds this summer. <laughs> anyway, there goes my little sales pitch. You've, in, in Tarkovsky and Cody, you have possibly two of the least athletic and mobile <laughs> centre halves in the Premier League. So you would think Bailey and Watkins having quick nippy forwards around them would would be their kind of Achilles heel, their kryptonite, if you will. But the problem there is. Daesh has them camped on the edge of their 18-yard box for so much of the game that actually running in behind them isn't really <laughs> a possibility. In which case, if Everton are playing with a low block, it's when you need your Coutinho's and your Buendia's and your Moreno's, uh, that goal we spoke about so um, wonderfully earlier. We want those kind of movements which kind of negate that low block. We pass around them or we pass it in the net. And... Um, we, we hopefully take a couple of goal lead and then you kind of force them out. They have to come out and try and try and save the game and then you can exploit the the, 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 the space in behind in the second half with, with your speedier players. Um, the problem is, Daesh makes it such a physical battle that you do worry for, for little Phil Coutinho in those kind of environments. You do worry for Brendia, although as game as Brendia is, you do think, do we need a, a bit more of a physical presence could this be the game for John Duran to start up front with, with, with uh, Ollie Watkins? Could this be the game where you have Ramsey back in with McGinn in midfield because he's a bit more of a runner, a little bit more of a bigger physical frame, although, again, not been in the best of form? Is this a 
return to the starting lineup for Big Daddy Donk to help with us uh, with, to help mark Big Tarkovsky from set pieces when Dwight McNeil uh, drives them in. Really interesting. I think I would probably pick an unchanged side, um, but I'm not sure what Emery will do. What do you think, Andy? I think I think he'll pick a team to to dominate the ball. That's what he clearly what he wanted. He wanted to do that against Arsenal last week, didn't he? So I think he will take the opportunity if Everton are going to play with a low block to to really try and to really try and and, and dominate dominate the ball. What you have to be careful then is getting caught caught on the break, and you know we've we've shown that we can be a, a little bit um, a little bit weak in that area. I do worry about. Our two midfielders, uh, Louise and Kamara, up against um, is it Decore, Idrissa Gay, and, and Onana in the midfield. They've got that's kind of midfield three who are who are all kind of you know quality operators really, and and, and good you know good physical players as well. So um, I, I worry a little bit about about that, but I think having McGinn there has, has kind of helps that as well. I don't know. I and I mean, I thought about John Duran as well, and I wonder whether really would the whether that would just kind of play into Everton's hands a little bit. Whether kind of the experience of Tarkovsky and and Cody might might just they might just deal with him quite comfortably, and you know it, it won't be the, the 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 danger. He won't be the danger man we perhaps hope, and maybe he's one for the uh, for the. You know, for the second half to come on the second half when things stretch a bit, but I don't know. I don't really see too much, um, too many reasons to change the the starting lineup. I'd go back to Ashley Young, I think, at, at right back. Um, but other than that, I'd, I'd probably keep it the same as well. I wonder if uh, <laughs> someone mentioned whether Martinez might uh, might find himself on the bench for this one after last week, Craig. <laughs> Well, I think if we didn't have uh, Coco the Clown <laughs> as his backup, um, maybe that might be a, a, a maybe that might be a choice. But unfortunately, I think Olsen, I think I asked this last week, as he you know, or in the group chat, he hasn't been seen recently on the bench. Has 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 Emery just given up on him, or is he is he injured? I think he had an injury. Um, he was meant to be available for the weekend, but they they went with uh, Sinisalo instead. And the week before, they had. They had two youth goalkeepers on the bench as opposed to uh, Olsen. So, well, I if Olsen think... isn't injured, that tells you all you need to know about Olsen. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're, uh, they're they're waiting for the return of Super Jed, I think, and uh, then he'll be there on the bench, and and, and everyone will be happy. <laughs> Super Jed is probably held together with a a, a, a packet of sellotape and and some uh, and, and some chewed toffee at this point. Poor lad. Yeah. He's had some yeah. atrocious um, misfortune with 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 injury as Jed Steer. He certainly has, but he is a hero, isn't he? As we uh, he as is we, a promotion as we, hero, as we for sure. Know. So, um, and he yeah. has enjoyed that promotion hero status by having three years of paid vacation from Aston Villa <laughs> since promotion from the uh, the Premier League. He has, I imagine, made a little small fortune, a little nest egg for himself and his family. Um, off that playoff win so I think you know he he deserves it as a promotion hero but I think probably it's time for us to um, send him out to pasture now in in, in the end of the season yeah possibly possibly but um, anyway Everton 
Prediction? 3-0 Villa. 3-0 Villa, my goodness. I've, I've just got an idea we're going to hump them. Yeah, yeah. I just think that they're going to be... Emery's pissed. I think he's going to have them in all week. I think they're going to be chomping at the bit to put right the, the three defeats in a row. Everton, let's not remember, despite their upturn, they scored... They had a 1-0 win against Arsenal, which was, which was you know, dogged and, 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 and fair enough. They had a very fortuitous goal last week from Seamus Coleman, who, who had a nosebleed up when he scored it. And uh, the Leeds goalkeeper went out for a, for a, for a hot dog and a, and, a, and, a, and a slush puppy. So let's see. Everton still are not very good. I think we can turn up and give them a real, give them a real hiding, pass them to death, score the goals, move on. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly take that. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a bit more circumspect and go two-one Villa. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be more than happy with that. Another goal for Ollie Watkins as well. Let's make it five in a <laughs> row. Hopefully. So um, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me again, Craig. Um, been great great chatting through that and uh, some of the issues there. And uh, let's hope for an upturn in form. And and thanks to everyone for uh, for listening again. Um, obviously head over to um, Under a Gaslit Lamp uh, to check out the website and give us a follow on all the socials and subscribe to the podcast from wherever you get your podcast from so you get your notifications when it when it is released um, other than that, if you're going to Everton have a great day, bring home the points stay safe and up the villa <laughs>